Hello, hello, you're very welcome to If I Were Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking and I'm delighted uh, to have you with me for this kind of experimental version of the show because I've decided that I'm going to try and do a little bit of YouTubing as well as the podcast. So hopefully you, as well as being able to listen to me on your favourite podcasting platform, whether that's Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the others, you'll also be able to watch uh, me on YouTube. The My hope really is that this will make sense on both platforms. And what I'm trying to do on this is is maybe go through a little bit of the news that's been happening over the last couple of weeks in education, particularly in primary education, though I will delve into other areas. And I'm going to do that uh, through showing a sort of a, a presentation in a way of what I what, what made me think over the last couple of weeks. And as I said, hopefully, if you don't have a screen in front of you, it'll all make sense. Um, I've picked five or six different stories that piqued my interest in the in the news over the last couple of weeks and they are all available on my newsletter which you can subscribe to by going to onshot.net slash subscribe. I've uh, done a little bit of media over the last couple of weeks and one of the things uh, that I, I wanted to start off with was to tell you all about my chat with Claire Byrne. I really enjoyed chatting to Claire Byrne on the radio because over in the UK the government of Wales have decided to consult with everybody and anybody who will listen about whether they should reduce their summer holidays for schools. Now, the second part of that is that they want to take a week off the summer holidays and move it to uh, October, where you get two weeks in October rather than one week in October. And instead of five weeks or six weeks in um, the summer, you get four or five weeks. And Mary McCarthy, a journalist, thought this was a very good idea. And I was asked uh, to be her counterbalance on the show. So should schools summer holidays be shortened was the title. But uh, as Mary McCarthy was saying, it was it was very similar to Wales. Shouldn't we do follow what Wales were at and consult with people about the idea of shortening the summer holidays, but extending maybe some of the breaks that are on uh, during uh, that during the year. So midterm breaks may be uh, extended by a week. And I mean, I, I have to say, I don't think it's a very bad idea. I'm not sure what you think. I think eight weeks of the summer holidays. I know most of us don't get those eight weeks. I know for sure I don't. I get about two, two and a half of those weeks because we run July provision and we have uh, the camps for numeracy and literacy and the complex needs and all that kind of stuff, like many schools do. But if they were to be sort of curtailed a little bit or curtailed completely, would there be an option really to go for maybe a six week summer holiday and maybe take two weeks in October and maybe two weeks in May to kind of I suppose balance the year out you know maybe working six weeks then two weeks off six weeks then two weeks off nobody I think which was nice about this podcast nobody was actually disputing that teachers don't work hard enough in fact it was a very nice interview I had a laugh I've had a massive ambition <laughs> since I've ever gone on the radio a few a few years ago I've always wanted when some says oh teachers days are too short and they have too many holidays I've always wanted to say to the radio presenter do you know you probably know yourself people only think you work two hours a day and I managed to do that and that's a life's ambition ticked off so if you're interested in listening to that uh, particular podcast you can go to rte.ie and uh, search for Claire Byrne and should school summer holidays be shortened I had a good time on the show and a bit of fun there too let's move on 
to the next story that piqued my interest and it's all about solar panels and retrofitting schools for solar panels and <clears throat> what I noticed on my when I was looking around uh, for education stories and I can f- I find all my education stories on my Feedly feed I don't know if that's what you call them and you can have a look at that again by subscribing to my newsletter I have every story I find interesting I save into my Feedly uh, feed and there seem to be a lot of politicians in their local newspapers celebrating the fact that they are installing solar panels in their primary school. And I found it a very interesting story uh, because uh, I just I just find all these capital projects when, you know, I think the government are paying 50 million euro to retrofit solar panels in schools, on school buildings. But the thing about this is, and it brings me back to a debate I had a couple of years ago during the National Maternity Hospital when tens of thousands of people went out onto the streets basically protesting uh, the fact that the National Maternity Hospital, €2 billion Euro it was going to cost and the building would be gifted back to the Catholic Church, to the Vatican. And people went out on the streets. They were disgusted that it was going to be handed back to the nuns. And when this happened at that time, I remember I was, uh, I was saying... But, but folks, you, you every single day, every single year, dozens of schools are retrofitted or, or are built even. They're like brand new buildings are built, repair jobs are done and everything else to the point of, I, I would imagine, more than two billion. And all that work and all those buildings are gifted back to the Vatican, to the Catholic Church. And there isn't a single one of you talking about that at all. Now, it did, I mean, it didn't get a massive reaction apart from uh, people calling me stupid, as you can see here from my Twitter feed. Although most people were, were fairly generous in what they were saying but there were some people trying to uh, score some points trying to claim oh I'm only saying it because I work for Educate Together and I always say that everything I say is my own thoughts and I work for Educate Together um, not because I um, and I love working for Educate Together but not, not because I want to specifically but because I have to because I can't work in a denominational school because I cannot uphold a religious ethos but I'm, I'm going off the point or am I? My thinking really is that Every single time the Department of Education puts, you know, they're saying 110 million euro is being used to retrofit schools. That's all gifted back to the Catholic Church. And I see that as a massive problem. And I think the religious aspect of it maybe colours it and maybe complicates it somewhat because people think that I'm just being anti-Catholic or whatever it is. I'm, I'm really not. It could be any private body. People would say, oh, well, Educate Together get this or whoever gets it. They actually don't. Educate Together don't own any buildings, school buildings. What I might compare it to uh, is because there's a lot of people protesting at the moment uh, for various different reasons. But one of the, ver- one of the reasons is outside of the racist element of the, of the protesting that's going outside buildings is the fact that a lot of people are very unhappy that private people are benefiting from their hotels or their uh, former nursing homes or their former built disused buildings. They're very upset because there are rich people who are buying up these unused properties and renting them out and leasing them out to the government for, uh, for asylum seekers. And they are making a huge amount of money. And people are rightly, uh, I suppose, disgusted by the fact that there is private individuals making millions from taking advantage 
of Ireland's asylum-seeking uh, seeker plans and the accommodation shortage that exists. And you are seeing people taking to the streets for that. Now, I know a lot of them are doing it for different reasons and they've been riled up by, less, let's say, less than generous people. But some of some people who are protesting do find this very, very unappealing. And you can see why it's pri- public money been given to given to private individuals. Schools are no different. The private individuals happen to be the Catholic Church, and it was the same when they actually were out in the streets because of the Catholic Church. I think people have a very complicated relationship with nuns or something like that. For some reason, you know, the the fact that National Maternity Hospital was being granted to the nuns, it seems we don't give it to the nuns. But when you actually say, you know, these are being given to the Catholic Church. It seems that people react differently. There hasn't been a murmur of protests. In fact, as I said, politicians are the ones celebrating these things. And thank you very much to Norma Foley for granting us all this money for retrofitting these buildings, despite the fact that uh, the buildings aren't belonging to the state at all. Anyway, I don't know what's going on because uh, I think <laughs> I don't know if the editor of the Irish Times, as uh, child, goes to a private school. But the Irish Times are having a right go at private schools <laughs> lately, um, and and uh, I'm not I I, I joke here. I I, I I'm, will be against the idea of private schools, and the the nonsensical argument is oh it provides choice. That word choice, you see, it doesn't suit you sometimes. So, like people say, oh choice is very important. Oh choice is very good now when it comes to uh, religious schools and all the rest of it. But when it comes to the private schools where you might lose out because you don't have the same wealth as a lot of people, the word choice there seems to not. Uh, mean as much but clearly there's a problem because (laughs) private schools were certainly trying to justify themselves and the money that the state gives to provide their teachers they're saying oh well if 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 they were given back to state ownership well you know, they, the, the Department of Education would have to fund them. And um, I, I just find it very funny. There's a lovely, there's a kind of a photograph of a particular school, a Cistercian a private school. And this is, <laughs> this is the, uh, you won't see the picture actually if you're listening to this. If you're watching it, you'll see it here. Uh, there's a picture of the principal standing in front of these most eloquent, beautiful thing that you would never see in any public sector school. It is beautiful, colour cut. It's a Christmas. Basically, if you're not, if you're listening rather than watching, it's the staircase leading up to somewhere. I don't know where, but stained glass windows, beautiful red candles on beautiful silver candelabras. Um, I mean, it is a beautiful sight. Something you might see coming into a, a five-star hotel. And I reckon you don't have too many public schools being able to decorate their school in that way. I just thought it was kind of funny to see. But uh, the the funny thing, really, I suppose, uh, is the Irish Times decided that their, their next article about private schools was that there were higher levels of antisocial behaviour and truancy among students in the fee-charging schools. So those, not only are these rich people, you know, shouldn't be complaining about how wonderful they, their schools are and about choice, sure they're all, they're all bowled out, the lot of them. They're all very naughty and uh, I just thought it was kind of funny that they're more likely to have social, uh, antisocial behaviour like stealing or graffiti and the truancy was very higher and I suppose it was an interesting article, an interesting article about a much bigger study that was out there. I'm not sure what it quite said. It just felt like they were having a go at fee-charging schools. But I would have more
more of a problem with the fee charging schools and a different story is because the private maybe this came out and maybe the Irish Times editor who might have a child in the I'm, I, I'm only making this stuff up here I'd have no idea what the editor of the Irish Times or Irish Independent where they send their children but maybe they're annoyed because private schools fees have to rise due to inflation and lack of government funding so maybe that's why they're having a go at them so basically the, the headline there is that they now have to pay over 10,000 euro uh, for one school now the thing is uh, the average is what was interesting to me where they came out and they said the average of all the private schools have gone up by 17% to cover their costs because the government basically while they fund the teachers they don't cover their costs their their bills basically the energy bills the utility bills and all that 17% so what I did was I calculated how what increase uh normal schools are getting in terms of capitation grant so it's moving up from 183 euro to 200 euro next year not this year next year and uh, that uh, my friends is a nine percent increase in capitation grant so i don't know where they're going with their 17 percent increase when we're only getting nine but uh, i tell you private schools you're in the firing line from the from the papers whatever you're doing at the moment I, I found a, another article which I kind of liked. I think it, it first appeared around just before Christmas, but I must have missed it, about school rules and which school rules make sense and which don't. Um, so Jen Hogan, who, who's a parenting columnist, uh, I, I'm finding these days that education and parenting seem to be wrapped up into the same um, category when it, comes to, when it comes to the media. I mean, I was on uh, Claire Byrne, as I said, and and I actually I'm on, when I'm on the radio I was thinking back to all the things I go on about and 90% of them are actually not really education issues at all our summer holidays is not an education ho- issue it's really a parenting issue I think the main reason people want to shorten the summer holidays is uh, it, it suits parents rather than suiting children however there were this uh, was an article from Jen Hogan about uniforms piercings and haircuts what makes sense Sh- so I was interested well we'll get onto the piercings and the haircuts first because I-, I find them baffling why schools stop children and stop students from having ear piercings and, and, and different colour hair and different haircuts and all the rest of it but, and I, I also find uniforms baffling as well but I think what I was interested in this article was the people they didn't ask really that many teachers they asked a teacher who was who was actually speaking in her role as a parent about their opinion. Why do schools have these arbitrary rules around around these uh, these things like uniforms and things like that, and piercings and haircuts? And other than snobbery, is my my kind of feeling on why we don't allow piercings and different hair colours and different hairstyles? It's pure snobbery. And, and it isn't, it's outdated now. I mean, you look at adults these days. I remember when I started working, if you had a tattoo, and very few people did in my day, you had to cover it with those blue plasters. Or if you had a piercing of any on your face, you had to cover it with a blue plaster. A lot of that is gone now in the workplace. Schools are no different. I don't understand it. And the idea of a uniform, as you know, I'm, I, if you've listened to the podcast, I just find it you know, so outdated, so British, really, in a way that we're still uh, part of the Queen's Army uh, by wearing our uniform, and we shall sub- be our subjects of the of the of the of the of the King or the Queen of England, which is the reason for uniforms in the first place back in the uh, 14th century when they were first introduced. And uh, I don't, I, and and obviously countries like Germany and, and most countries in Europe, actually, in fact, all, almost all countries in Europe don't have a uniform. I mentioned Germany in particular because of the association with uniforms in Germany and the far right. 
uh, that uh, we see um, that uniforms can be uh, seen as army type uh, affairs. Where so, what are we trying to say to children uh, that you have to look the same? You have to. There are certain standards of what you wear, and so on. And I think that's what the article goes on about. I never really got an answer to uh, the question on that. Um, really about what are the reasons because she didn't actually ask any teachers who were justifying it it was a bit of a I suppose a critique of of uh, policies and all the rest it's, uh, most of the people in this are then it moved on to skirts versus trousers rather than actually uniforms at all uh, which is a bit disappointed about because I think we should be talking about uh, the idea of not wearing uniforms in any way shape or form but I know I'm in the minority on that what I was what I did find funny though was a letter to the Irish Times followed from a gentleman called Garrod O'Rean who actually belongs to something called Say No to School Uniforms he's in Westport and I think that's brilliant I mean I loved his letter um, basically calling calling it out with loads of statistics about how nonsense like it is and uh, with sentence I like there highly paid principals are wasting enormous amounts of time patrolling uniforms in military style lineups when there are far when there are far more important issues to deal with and I take I, I, I will I will ignore the highly paid principles. I mean, they could have just said principles. But apart from that, very good sentence to sum my feelings up on uniforms in many ways. And just when I thought, just when I thought I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mentioning smartphones in my fortnightly newsletter, two teachers came along and they've been around for a while. There they are. They came up with this idea. There's a picture here if you're watching the video. It's the phone away box. It's basically a cellophane box or some sort. Of, I think it's cellophane. Is it a plastic box of some sort, which basically, <coughs> which basically sticks onto the student's locker. And uh, basically they put their phone in there and everyone can see that where their phone is. It seems to be a roaring success. I love the fact that two teachers came along, they saw the smartphone problem and they came up with a business and it looks like they're moving that business out of Ireland into the UK where the smartphone seems to be an issue as well. And I, I just think it's a, it's a great story. Fair play as Ireland is a, is a great country for innovation and entrepreneurialism. And it's I love the fact that, you know, we can't solve the smartphone issue in Ireland because parents seem Un, un, unable or unwilling to manage their uh, their their children's smartphone use, uh, so these two lads have come up with a way of doing it, and fair play to them. The only but I, just as I've kind of given out, and I, I do give out about the idea that schools should be solving parental issues such as smartphones. Passy Salberg was over in Ireland. And Passy Salberg was the Minister for Education in Finland when Finland was the greatest education system in the world ever. He's moved to Australia. He came to Ireland to give a talk to the NAPD and IPPN, who are the principal networks, both secondary and primary level. He gave a symposium. The Irish Times uh, just picked up on smartphone use. And uh, he said that student well-being is sharply declining as a result of smartphone use. Uh, this comes from the PISA uh, report, uh, which I looked at, and I, I am not one to disagree with Passy Salberg in many ways, but the the graph that was shown around smartphone usage was was dodgy at best. I mean, I think it makes absolute sense that if you spend eight hours on a smartphone for a day, your well-being is going to be decreased immensely. But it, the, it was the lower numbers which which were kind of interesting insofar as up to an hour things are bad. They got worse for uh, for an hour to two hours. But if you were on for two to three hours, it was fine. 
But then if you went from three to four hours, it was bad again. So you're not getting a pattern. So, I mean, really a, the pattern should be a kind of a graph or you something like that or like this in terms of well-being that uh, be, being decreased or whatever it is. I, I mean, essentially, look, I don't disagree with them, uh, particularly smartphones do make well-being suffer. Anyone who has children who lets their child use a device and asks them to come off that device will tell you the mood that their child is in after there after we after coming off the device and you actually need a bit of a break to calm down it's whatever is in that in that is it dopamine say and all the rest of it i'm not quite sure but forget all that my favorite story of the of the of the couple of weeks comes from a phenophile politician i have no idea and maybe he does have a background in technology i don't know who he is uh, i i know i know i only know his name malcolm Byrne from a story in gory with the Gwale school there and a, a very kind of Dodgy, dodgy situation that happened there where a principal was removed from his position and it ended up seemingly wrongly and 10 years later had to be reinstated. But Malcolm Byrne was on the board of that school or was certainly uh, involved in that story. But anyway, he is back advising schools um, about what the classroom is going to look like in only five or six years by the end of the decade. So I, I, I wanted to uh, read a part of that, uh, part of it because it's quite I don't know if it's humorous, but I'll read the first paragraph. In classrooms, at the end of this decade, students will wear a piece of neurotechnology that will be integrated into a headset or another device that will use brainwaves to indicate their levels of attention or understanding of the subject being taught. This can alert the teacher as to whether their class is fully engaged or if they need to try a different way to engage or to give the students a break. This kind of dystopian stuff is amazing. I mean, I, it reminds me of, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time uh, comparing things to things you see in The Simpsons, but I, I, I'm going to, I think it's any 1960s sort of TV programme about what the future will look like in the year 2000, you know, the flying cars and people kind of not speaking to each other, speaking by telepathy, no one will need to speak anymore, or everybody, you know, living on the moon and, and all this kind of stuff. This idea that, I, I, like, the, and that school will be, you know, the, the, I, the Simpsons had a, one in school where you basically had a TV screen as the teacher and there was like maybe, you know, a uh, hundred, you know, they'd ask a question. Ah, yes, uh, Mikey in sector four or three, you answered this question kind of thing. I, I can't remember the episode of The Simpsons, something Simpsons, the future anyway. Uh, but this idea of the, uh, but the dystopia that we'd actually be plugging children into, uh, into devices that would uh, look at their brainwaves to see if they're paying attention or not. I mean, what kind of school life would that be? I would like to hope that by 2030, that's not what's going to happen. And I mean, well, I, I, I enjoyed some of the ideas that you could use virtual reality. I think that's what he's trying to get at, that it could bring you back to, he gave the idea of 1916. And he's also talked about AI and large language models. I mean, that's a very interesting kind of idea. I don't know what that's going to look like in 2030. I, I just get the idea. I mean, I kind of think it's going to things are going to move on a lot more than he's even saying there I, I mean I won't go on but uh, you can have a look at the Irish Times all the links to these articles are in my in my newsletter but it was a really weird kind of article and I have no idea who Malcolm Byrne um, is in terms of education or what his qualifications would be in terms of predicting what kind of technology would be or would not be used in education in 2030. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. I, I'd like to hope that we wouldn't be plugging children into headsets that would measure their brainwaves. I would like to think that, I mean, I, I, in the last 20 years of uh, technology and education, 
there hasn't been that many, you know, mad things that have come along. I mean, the internet was possibly the first mad thing that changed, could have changed absolutely everything and, and certainly did. The interactive whiteboard, uh, some might argue, would have done the same. It was the first time that schools really embraced technology and education in Ireland. I do think AI will have a big impact. I'm not sure how. Certainly it should have an impact on teachers' planning or the way they deliver things. I also think it might open up ways for students to to sort of interact with things they may not have been able to interact with before. Uh, You'll see, if you're uh, on my newsletter, you'll see that this week I've made a video about interacting with a spreadsheet. Uh, So whereas before you would have to learn all these complicated formulas to find out information, which is very beyond probably a primary school student's abilities, you can actually ask a question in English to a spreadsheet and it will give you the answer to that. And that can be very interesting if you've got some good questions. I'd like to think that, you know, that's what will change a little bit in the classroom but one other thing, and Malcolm Byrne is actually a Fianna Fáil TD, and Fianna Fáil's, uh, in Fianna Fáil's programme for government, they say by the end of the decade, in 2030, there will be 400 multi-denominational schools. Currently, we're in 2024, the first, uh, the first week or two in 2024, and we, we have, we're not even close to that, and we are only opening one multi-denominational school um, in, 20, in September 2024, as far as I know, uh, maybe two. So so at that pace, we're going to be uh, we're going to be a long way off. And I would possibly suggest that Malcolm Burns' uh, suggestion that we'll be plugging our brains into plugging our brains into uh, devices is probably more likely than the very very minor very minor ambition to have 400 multi-denominational schools. I wonder who will be more correct. So there you go. They are my, uh, that's my analysis of the news. I'd, lo- I'd really be interested in thinking, did you like this? Was this a, a change, you know, from the If I Were the Minister for Education podcast where I take one issue? Did you like using the video? Did you like doing the video? I, I'm, is it something that you'd like to see more of? Uh, were, if you were listening, was it interesting? Did I move to stories well or not? Was my analysis of the news any good? I, I guess this is a bit of an experiment. Uh, if you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, please let me know because I'm, I'm one of these people that assumes if I don't hear anything that people like it. If, a, if, if you like it but you think I could do better, I'd love to know as well. So that's it for me for this week. If you enjoyed this or if you'd like to he- see or hear any of my previous bits of work in education, primary education, you can subscribe to If I Were the Minister for Education, the podcast on any of your favourite podcasting platforms. You can go to onshot.net and read any of the articles that I am reading. The show notes notes are always available on onshaw.net and I write about education in lots of different places. If you want to read some of those articles, uh, you'll also find them on onshaw.net or you can just can subscribe to my Feedly feed and uh, see if you like that. So loads of places to find me. I'm becoming a little bit too easy to find as I try and escape Twitter. Uh, speaking of which, uh, on my newsletter, I find uh, some posts and threads that I've also found interesting. It's a really, really good interaction uh, between two teachers that I'll be posting up around, which I think you uh, should probably ha- have a look at, around the inspectorate and the need for an inspectorate. Really good interaction uh, between two teachers on that, which I uh, really recommend you have a look at. Anyway, that is it for me. Thank you so much uh, for watching or listening, depending on what medium you're coming from. And I will chat to you soon. Thanks so much. All the best. Bye bye.